You're listening to Legal Skies, a podcast by the Law Society of Saskatchewan. This is Season 2, Episode 6. Hi, I'm Julie Shobawali, host of Legal Skies. Today, we'll be discussing educating the next generation of lawyers through the Practice Readiness Education Program with Dr. Kara Mitchellmore here on Zoom. Dr. Kara Mitchellmore is the CEO of the Canadian Centre for Professional Legal Education. She holds a doctorate in business administration from Athabasca University, is a fellow of the Chartered Professional Accountants and the Certified Management Accountants, and is a certified marketing and research professional. Kara, thank you for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's, a, it's good to be here. So in a few short words, could you explain for our listeners what the PrEP program is? Sure. So the Practice Readiness Education Program, uh, once students in our jurisdictions, which are Alberta, Manitoba, Nova Scotia, and Saskatchewan, once they obtain either their Canadian Common Law degree or a Certificate of Qualification from the Federation of Law Societies of Canada, they are required to complete PrEP. Uh, which is the official bar admission program for those four provinces, uh, and complete the required articling term, which is set by their individual law societies. Once they've done both those two things, then they are ready to be called to the bar pending the final approval by their law society. And I know this program has a lot of online components as well, which is really interesting because right now we're here on Zoom in the middle of a pandemic, and this program was planned ahead of time, I believe, to be mostly online, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, as with so many organizations right now, our staff are all working remotely to ensure that everyone stays safe, and then due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the concerns that we heard from students and firms, then we had to change one, our admission requirements for the year, which is uh, allowing the students who don't have secured articles because of the environment, um, either because of the environment with COVID or because of the economy in some of our provinces, to be able to complete the practice readiness education program without delay. So they're not delayed from that perspective, from an educational perspective. And we understand that with COVID, there are economic pressures on firms and students right now, and we wanted to allow students the opportunity to develop the necessary competencies and practice their lawyer skills uh, now so that when they do begin their articles, they can apply their their uh, knowledge right away. Um, the pandemic and social distancing requirements have provided us with the opportunity to really rethink uh, and adjust prep so it's accessible to everyone. So we currently were running, when we got went in lockdown in March, we had two pilots that were running. Uh, and one in, in April was, our first pilot was completing the program. So they were doing their capstone, which is traditional, well, not traditionally because it's a new program, but was envisioned to be an in-person face-to-face program. And uh, due to the social distancing, that just couldn't happen. So we had to shift and, and offer, you know, from March lockdown to April offering, we had to figure out how we were going to do this because we didn't want to delay the student's bar call. So very happy to report that in fairly short period of time, our team was able to take all of those in-person elements and adjust them and deliver the capstone virtually. And that also had to apply to our second pilot. So our second pilot was scheduled to attend what we call phase two in the program, which is the foundation workshop space. Again, initially geared to be a face-to-face component um, of the program. 
but we didn't want again to delay them, right? It's very, you know, students are very stressed in this whole process and to tell someone that they're going to be delayed, you know, six months, eight months, because we have to wait to see what will happen and we're not going to change how we deliver a program. It's just not acceptable to them and it just increases their level of stress. So uh, we again, we, we got together and figured out a way to deliver this all virtually and it was successful. So really what COVID-19 has allowed us to do is we've really had the opportunity to re-envision the in-person phases of prep and transition the entire program to online delivery, uh, which will reduce the impact on students, in particular in the short term. Uh, and we're now better prepared if social distancing continues into the fall, which it looks like it will, um, to offer over 800 students um, you know, the, the program in its entirety in a virtual environment. So in all the description that you've given me about prep, I don't hear anything about a bar exam. Mm. You know, bar exams test students on substantive law. And, and if you look at into the past, why we have bar exams, we have bar exams because we didn't have accredited schools, right? So we didn't have accredited law schools. And then the Federation of Law Societies went out and started accrediting law schools. So they're saying that if you come from this school, it's covering the knowledge, right? So students learn that knowledge in their law school and they're tested on it there. By the same token, if foreign trained students come in, they have to write a series of exams to get their certificate of qualification. So they've already been tested and tested and tested on substantive law. But when they come to us and they wanna complete their bar admission program, we're teaching them practical legal knowledge and competencies in lawyer skills. So whether that be practice management, professional ethics, personal attributes, you know, the, the thing that all of our research showed in building this program was students need to do more than understand the law in order to thrive in a professional legal environment. So they've got to be able to build strong relationships. They've got to be able to demonstrate empathy and compassion. They've got to communicate effectively. They have to manage their time and their practice and make ethical value-based decisions and build trust. And these competencies cannot be tested in a traditional exam format. So our program is a competency-based program that is built in a spiral knowledge format. Now, so what that means is um, when students come to us at the beginning, we don't expect them to be competent. You know, so they come to us, they see some stuff, they do some stuff, and then they get to practice. And it's almost like it's, they use the term OSCE testing in the medical field. So, you know, you test something in a low-risk environment, you get feedback, and then you get tested on it again. Right. So now the expectation is a little bit higher. It's still not the expectation we have at the end. We're not testing you for entry level competency until the end of the program. So this well, program is really built on getting you up to speed within a spiral environment. Um, so, right. so when you're so the, the approach that you're telling me and and the reason why I, I, I asked that question is because, as you know, right now, many jurisdictions in, in North America are trying to figure out. Uh, how do we do a bar exam? How do we do it in person? Or how do we do it online? Or do we yes. do it at all? And it's interesting to me because you say two things here. Uh, number one, uh, you're not expecting them to be competent when, when they come out of law school. Instead, you want to help them to, to reach that competency by the end of the program. In which skills, sounds like not in the law. 
Okay. We assume, we assume substantive knowledge. We assume you've either come to us from a, a Canadian law school that's been accredited, or you've come to us, you know, you've written your uh, qualification exams through the Federation of Law Societies. So we assume you've had that exposure to the law. In my research that I did in this, uh, in this project before even putting anything together was to go across the country and ask the law societies, where are you seeing the most complaints uh, for for new lawyers the first five years post-call. And it's not in substantive law. It just isn't. It's in all of these skills and these competencies that they need to know and they don't get exposure to, right? So it's one thing to be to know the law. It's another to apply it and apply it with empathy depending on your stakeholder group or wherever you're going to go. So we really wanted to focus this on I'm making lawyers like I, you know, I, I've, I've met with many deans of many law schools and, and not all of them, but a lot of them will say, you know, Kara, it's not my job to train lawyers. It's my job to teach the law. And they're very different things. So this, this is actually a good segue to my next question, because as I was looking at prep, it says you need to be certified in Microsoft products, which I thought, oh, that's an interesting um, aspect of learning how to be a lawyer. Why, why do you have that, that component in the program? Well, you know, again, in part of our research, what we heard loud and clear at the, at the firm level was that written communication is weaker. It's weaker than it was five years ago. It's weaker than it was 10 years ago. Uh, so we started searching out how are ways that we can give students tools to help them, knowing that primarily in their written documentation, it's in the Microsoft Suite Office of Products. So Persertus is a software that's been developed specifically for the legal profession. And it's geared to cut down on copy edit time and errors in Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and Adobe Reader. So we give all students access to this and they have to reach a certain level of certification in two out of the four. And one has to be Word. I don't care what the other one is, but one of them has to be Word. With the, you know, what we really want is that we're setting them up for success. So they've already had this at the beginning, and now they can use this, not only while they're in the program, use what they've learned, but also in their articles. So that was the, you know, that's going to make them more proficient in some of the common technology that they're going to have to use um, as they, you know, move forward. So really, this was an additional tool that we wanted to give to them. And so... So basically, you wanted to make sure they know how to use Word properly so that as lawyers, when they actually have to draft those memos, they can do it in official. Well, you know, and, and tips and tricks, right? Like, you know, how do you do something so that if you change a clause and you have multiple clauses in, in a contract, let's say, that it automatically renumbers or, you know, those, those sorts of things, because that takes up a lot of time, right, um, and creates a lot of errors. So if, you know, anything that we can give them to help speed up that process while maintaining their accuracy or improving their accuracy is a benefit for the student as well as a benefit for the firm. Absolutely. And, and anyone who's listening, if you have never had to reformat the type of document that Kara's talking about, it is extremely painful, let me tell you that. That's right. Uh, so, so as we're talking about tech, I, I noticed there's also this virtual law firm Mm -hmm. that the students are going to have to go through, which is interesting to me because students have to article um, in some sort of legal environment, typically a private practice. So why do you have a virtual law firm going on at the same time? And, and what does that 
look like? Sure. Well, you know, our program is really built, like I said, it's on a show, tell, practice, perform, if you think of those phases. So in the first phase of the program, which is all online and the self-directed learning, where they go through all of the knowledge areas they need to do, that's really the show and the tell, right? So we tell them stuff and they watch videos and they do their assignments. And and then we show them through multimedia what a good interview looks like, what a bad interview looks like, what good negotiation looks like, what bad negotiation looks like. And then they come into the foundation workshops. And in the foundation workshops, they're assigned to a group of four and that's their firm. Right. And then throughout the week, they start to practice, but it's very initial practice. Right. So then from there, they go into the virtual law firm and the virtual law firm is based on the ability to offer the students uh, that they're taking a file from initiation to finalization. One of the things that we found in our research was depending on where you're articling, you might get a piece of a file, but you might not get to use the whole file. And this program is based on the following scenario. I go an article, I don't get the hire back. I get called to the bar and I put up my own shingle. What is it I need to know how to do, right? So it's really about leveling that playing field so that in each of these rotations, they're not only gonna practice, they're gonna practice interviewing and negotiation and advocacy and research, legal writing and legal drafting, but they're gonna take those files from beginning to end they have to use practice management software. So we, we've partnered with Clio. So they've got to check for conflicts and they've got to build their time. And right. So everything of that nature, uh, as well as this program, they're all assigned a, a practice manager. So this practice manager will stay with them, all, you know, like a mentor throughout all three rotations so that they can see what are they improving on? What do they still have to work on um, and as well? It gives us a little bit of a more comfort feeling. We know that not every article is created equal. We know that. And we know that, you know, Alberta, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan, you put out a survey that was talking about, you know, the discrepancy in the articling process across the provinces. This gives us another area where if a student might not be in the most ideal article, there's still someone senior that they can speak with. Right. So who's trained? So it gives them a little bit more exposure to that. So really the virtual, yeah, we understand that they're articling at the same time and we understand that there are challenges with that. But depending on where they're articling, they're not going to get the experience in their firm that they're going to get in the virtual law firm because they're not going to be able to, they're not going to get the opportunity to handle all of the elements. So essentially you're, you've created a program where Someone can article, as you said, they don't get the hire back, but they'll have the skills they need to start their own law practice. Yeah, you know, at a beginning level, right? There's, you know, yeah. there's still like, it's entry level. So it's really, it also gives some exposure to areas where they might not have had exposure to, right? So right now our virtual firm, it's a criminal law rotation. It's a business law rotation. There's a family law um, and real estate um, rotation and it, you know, you'll hear from students, well, I'm never going to do family law, so why would I do this in a rotation? And, and you know, my first answer is that, well, never say never, right? That's, um, always, that's always a good way. <laughs> never say, especially as a lawyer. You, you don't know. <laughs> no, right? You know, you don't know where you're going to be in five to ten years and what, and what is it you want to do. But, you know, we also wanted to really address some some of the areas, in particular in family law, you know, access to justice and understanding that this is, you know, it's very sensitive and it's very emotional and, and really to pull out some of those 
that empathy piece and that sympathy piece. And, and so we really wanted to give them that exposure as opposed to, okay, I article in corporate and that's all I do. Right. So we really wanted to broaden that horizon to say, you know, here's other areas and, and what that entails. And it's very different. This, this sounds um, quite different from what other jurisdictions are doing, not only in Canada, but in the U.S. Um, and, and I'm sure, as you know, some listeners are going to listen to this and think, why do I not have this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I and I would agree with them. And, and, you know, and, you know, I'm a proud parent, you know, like, I don't want to hear my baby's ugly. Nobody wants to hear that. So it's, it's kind of like, we, but we came into this saying we wanted to build something that tr- truly changed how we train lawyers in this country. And I, and I believe that we've done that. Now, you know, we, right now we have over 800 students going through the first foundation modules and we'll continue to evolve the program. I mean, one of the other reasons that, you know, this program was a $3 million project that was uh, financed by the law societies of Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Uh, but one of the reasons that it had to, it took that much was because they had a program in place that had been in place for years and years and years, and there really hadn't been anything done with it, right? So to go from here to here, that's a sizable investment. But now it's like, okay, but now we're going to continue to evolve this program. You know, we're going to take feedback from the students, and we've taken a ton of feedback from the students, and that's really helped us to, you know, to improve the product uh, so that it meets their needs. So I think that I... I'm very, very, very proud of the product. I'm also very proud of my, my board, which is comprised of the, the leaders of the law societies in our jurisdictions because they were brave, right? So to, to break away from what you've always known and to be able to, um, to go with this and knowing that it's, it's going to be a much better product, it's great to say that, but it's very different when you've got a stand behind it and they've been extremely uh, supportive of this is the way that that we need to train lawyers in this country. So my two big takeaways then is nobody wants ugly babies. No. Nobody. nobody. And and be brave. And if yes. you're brave, you can create a, a, a product that really is special, but also really moves the needle forward. And I think from what you're describing, this is really the future of, of uh, training our future lawyers. Well, Kara, that is all the time we have. Um, thank you so much for, for having this wonderful discussion with us. You're welcome. And thank you very much for having me. Thanks. All right. Take care. We hope you found this podcast interesting and informative. If you have any questions or feedback, please email us at podcast at lawsociety.sk.ca. Until next time, I leave you with this quote from Aristotle. Law is order and good law is good order. Thank you.